It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Todd Weiler in for Boyd Matheson, and you're listening to Expanded Inside Sources. And our topic for this segment is, will, does Utah have a gondola in its future for Little Cottonwood Canyon? For those of you that have been up to Snowbird, you know that what a gondola looks like. It can fit, I don't know, 30 or 40 people at a time. <clears throat> and they, they just run up and uh, up and down the mountain all day long at Snowbird. I sure have enjoyed my experiences on that gondola. And uh, Mara Carabello is joining us from the Exoro Group. And Mara, uh, I think, Mara, you like the idea of the uh, of a gondola for Little Cottonwood Canyon, but Mayor Jenny Wilson, Salt Lake County Mayor, hates it. So, Mara, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. Nice well, to talk to you this afternoon. Nice to talk to you again. What What should we know about this gondola proposal? Okay, so first I'm going to start by saying it's time if the public wants to weigh in, they can. This is part of a, oh gosh, couple-year UDOT process that has a public comment period ending the first part of September. So that's why we're all talking about it. And I think for the first time, I mean, those of us who love the canyons and who live in the Wasatch Front know that we've been talking about a transportation solution up the Cottonwood Canyons for before most of the people were born, probably. But we're at the point where um, no solution is not a choice. And so we're choosing between expanded buses, which is what Jenny Wilson has said she wants, or gondola. I will tell you, I was shocked that the Democratic mayor of the county didn't choose the environmentally friendly choice. She, um, she went with diesel buses up the canyon. I think that uh, gondola is an interesting and exciting choice because of how many boxes it checks. Now, now remind me, this, case, is the, this is the same Jenny Wilson when she was running for the U.S. Senate who admitted that she <laughs> drives SUVs. She drives her kids <laughs> to private schools in SUVs, but you're surprised by this. Could be, could yeah. be. I was okay. surprised. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good remembering that, Senator. Um, so, you know, the choice would be a, a gondola, which is more of a transportation system than the ones we're thinking of at the ski resorts. It would be one of the longest in the nation. Um, we would put in towers, but the uh, stuff I have, the, there's a video I've seen on Gondola Works that you can see how, how much you love or hate the obstructiveness. There would be a parking garage and a place to catch the gondola outside, oh, by the old Lakai. If you're familiar with Lakai, yes, yes, yes. there would be a station there. You could drive or take regional transit there, and then you'd take the gondola up. And um, it could be summer or winter months, um, and it, it's, it's green, it's energy efficient, and more importantly, it doesn't require us to cut the canyon up anymore. If we go with buses, the canyon's going to really look like Provo Canyon, which um, is a big cut into the environment there, and we'll have these big concrete snow sheds. So gondola doesn't require snow sheds. Gondola doesn't require any of um, disruption on the roadways. Yeah, and, and so, the reality is uh, what we haven't mentioned is the current road it's just it can't handle the traffic. Uh, we're we're right. overwhelming it. Uh, we're loving that canyon to death. So, Too much. So some other options I've heard um, uh, at the legislature is maybe making that a toll road and getting people to carpool or maybe second guess you know their trip if they if they know they have to shell out a couple bucks um, to get on that road. 
And I've also heard people saying whether we do the bus system, I've heard legislators say whether we do the bus system or the gondola, that that road should be closed off. So you'd have to either take that bus or take the gondola, you know, depending on which, which option we go with. So what are your thoughts on yeah. those on those discussions? Well, so UDOT, the Department of Transportation, I think has pretty much indicated that they would agree with those who are saying we need to toll either way, right? Um, and and I, in my mind, I've separated this into two categories, and one is choose the best transportation system. And so choose generational and green and something that protects um, our lands. And then separate the conversation, the public policy conversation about access. So what I like about gondola and tolling is – um, the elected officials at that time, be it 10 years from now or 20 years from now, they they could have this a great infrastructure, but they could also say, okay, we're going to limit the number of people up if, if that was how the public wanted to go. So we are loving our canyons to death, but we also, as Utahns, live here because of our canyons. So I think we're looking for a solution that allows a lot of us to still go up, use areas that are um, improved so we have bathrooms and we have places to park and we have infrastructure to access these in a responsible way that uh, keeps our watershed intact, keeps our mountains growing strong, and and um, that we, we won't love them to death, but rather our kids and our grandkids can continue to love them. Um, I'm going to make a bold prediction that that road is going to be a toll road in the, within the next yeah. five to ten years. And people are going to be surprised when I say this, but the toll, you're not you're probably not going to stop and, and hand uh, five bucks to uh, somebody and wait for your change. They're going to scan your license plate as you drive up that road, and you're going to get a bill in the mail or you'll have it tied to your account. And um, that's the future, I think, um, and, and, and we're going to be looking at that for lanes on I-15 as well. This technology just to scan your license plate on your car has been around for over a decade, and I think they're going to start using it a lot more. Yeah, and other states, as you suggest, are using it really successfully, yeah. right? And I mean, it's, it's, it's not, great. It's not terribly invasive. So um, so let's talk about the cost. Uh, the gondola, we're, we're looking at almost $600 million, um, even though that's the environmental-friendlier option. What, how does that compare to an enhanced bus system? So um, gondola, you're going to have to change out every 50 years. So when you pay that big old price tag, which you're right, $600 million, but it's going to be a system that lasts 30 to 50 years, if not more. Buses, we know we have to change out every few years, and the um, and particularly ski buses, which take some wear and tear on them. So um, overall, if you look at a 10-year maintenance scheme, gondola is less expensive. Um, also, UDOT has put in the gondola option um, some snow sheds, which are about $80 million. Now, that is not necessary for the gondola. So this state could choose to do a gondola without that, which makes them less expensive. So it's a big price tag either way. I think from my point of view, it's like what requires less maintenance, what has public-private partnerships that can offset the cost, because frankly, the ski resorts have said they would participate. And I think most of us think the ski resorts should should participate in um, the financing of this. And they said they would, particularly Snowbird has said not only will they help finance, Snowbird has said they'll do a conservation easement. So I think in the long run, it's the cheaper option to take a gondola approach. So the mayor has openly criticized such a large, large public investment for just two ski resorts. Um, so what is your response to that? And how do you think this would affect our out-of-state tourism? 
Well, so we know from the financial projections that this would be a draw for in-state and out-of-state to just go for fun, right? Like we would we would take our families up there on a Saturday afternoon as something to do. Um, you know, there's there's something very political about the mayor saying it's just for a couple of ent- entities. Now, I will say about 70% of the traffic up the canyon is for those of us wanting to ski. So um, if, if, if she's suggesting that that's the ski destination, I'd be really critical if the ski resorts were saying they don't want to help pay. But since the ski resorts are saying they don't want to pay, it's a little bit criticizing, you know, we helped the Miller family build Vivian Arena with public money, and yet we all think that that has brought up tourism and, and the common good, and I would suggest that keeping our canyons clean, um, keeping our ski industry healthy, which is a $2 billion industry, those are all in the larger public good. I think it's critical that um, every Utah feel like they can afford the gondola and that there's equal access. And those are issues I think we can work through. So I, I think there's a little bit of politic to the mayor suggesting that it's just for a couple of private entities. Yeah, and I think if we did a little economic study, we could see the tens of millions of dollars that those two ski resorts are benefiting Salt Lake County taxpayers, you know, in terms of people staying in hotels and eating at restaurants and, you know, going to movies and all, all of that in Salt Lake County. So, um, yeah. I yeah, think well, and the gondola can generate revenue, which no, the bus certainly isn't, right? The yeah, bus is just yeah. going to always be a tax drain on on, on the, the county particularly or the citizens in this area where the gondola won't be. And real quick, we're just about out of time, but why do you think um, the buses would hurt the environment? Well, they're diesel, right? And in order to keep up with the volume you've suggested, we're going to be sending those off every few minutes. And then you didn't address the safety issues at all because the, an avalanche stops a bus just like it stops a car. Um, so the safety issues are still there. This is the most avalanche-prone stretch of um, road in the world. And I can't emphasize enough cutting a new lane in um, the canyon is just something I don't want. We're sending, we're actually sending more diesel traffic as a solution if we use buses. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, um, Mara, um, and uh, appreciate your input and your perspective. And uh, you have a great day. So, coming up on KSL News Radio, we're going to visit next with Troy Williams from Equality Utah. He joins us to discuss the 20th anniversary of that organization and what Utah. Uh, lawmakers will be looking at uh, in terms of next session for legislation that may affect LGBTQ rights in the state. Uh, We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America, but the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.